Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. Why I didn't get excuse me? Can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come they can say whatever they want to me? Oh, it's all talent. I don't worry. I just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I going to be his boyfriend. This is what they paid for. This is what they want. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. Here we are. Three Grand Slams in the books. The final of the year. The French Open. Three. Oh my God, that's right. Three Australian, then the US, and now Roland Garros, as you've just said, is in the books. Yes, the frigid as F. F-O. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here to give you the scoop and the recap and our anal cysts. Yeah, are you surprised in any way? I mean, maybe we can do a little bit of um, overall thematic how you feel now that all the slams are done. Like, are you surprised at who the champions are? You know, I think after we recorded last week and we were seeing how the eventual winner, at least on the women's side, was playing, I think, you know, you always wonder if somebody like her would have a dip, but just seeing her, the way she played Halep, the way she played Bouchard, it didn't look like that was going to be possible. And as our teaser pointed out, you were picking her as a favorite. And lo and behold. And lo and behold. Now, this is the perfect segue, partner, because we, I'm going to say we, I'm going to include you in this as well. That's very, very sweet of you. Well, wait till I'm about what I'm to figure out what I'm about to say. (laughs) (laughs) We butchered her name last week and we have continued to butcher her name. However, we have recently been educated and we now know how to pronounce the women's draws new French Open champion. And it's not Zachary. (laughs) 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 Whose name we were also mispronouncing for Evs. That is correct. Zachary did not win. Um, it is our new Polish phenom, Iga Sviantek. Polan Geros. <laughs> <laughs> she is the winner of the French Open. And I mean, I guess when you are uh, when you are a commentator of tennis and you know so many or come across so many players' names, I guess you just try to pronounce it the best way you can. We called, well, I kept on calling her Iga Sviatek. I thought I was being extra fancy. <laughs> yeah, you're like, that. There, it has that like accent on one of, <laughs> one of those vowels and you're like, mm, it sounds good. <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> yeah, and lo and behold, we were both wrong. Mm-hmm. It's Iga Sviatek. Yeah, so when you pronounce it and you think there should be an N there and there's not, just go with it. Just go with it. Just go with it. Anyway, okay, before we go into the analysis of um, how she won the final, let's just talk about how momentous and how domineering her run at the championships was. I mean, let's just look at her path for a second. She won seven matches. Obviously, you need to win seven matches to win a slam. Um, And she dropped just 28 games. Yeah. That's Girl. an average of four per match. Yeah, that's like insane. And so this is her. This was her route. She beat Vondrasova, who you and I both pegged to be a potential favorite, and she killed her one and two. She beat the tricky Shea Suwei from Taiwan, one and four. She beat our bestest, Bush Bouchard. Bushy. I was gonna. I was gonna call her Bushy. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know whether she liked that, but anyway, we're going with it. Bouchard, Bouchy, three and two. She beat Halep, our favorite, one and two. Trevisan, this Italian girl, we don't know her, three and one. Podoroska, a girl that you kind of wanted to talk about, two and one. And then in the final, she beat Kennan, the Australian Open champion, four and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, pretty dominant, as you pointed out. The one thing I would say is that Bouchard was the only one to not 
get the breadstick. <laughs> she, yes, she was the like you just said, she was the only player not to fall a set to um, to Sviantec by by losing one game, and I think that's kind of a victory for her. <laughs> <laughs> I think she she commented. You showed me a comment that she made on the on the memes account, the ATP memes. She had e- she had commented and was like give, giving herself a pat on the back, <laughs> which I think is cute. I mean, listen, I think that when you lose to the eventual champion, eventual champion, and you look at the breakdown of all the matches, and yours was the match that perhaps she had the most difficulty with, you can give yourself a pat on the back mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. She, But to your point, she was completely dominant. As we had our last episode, we thought she would be tough to beat no matter who she played. Um, and it turned out to be the case. I think in the final, she probably, at least from the matches that I saw, she played um, the least quality match for her, um, mm. particularly when it got close in the first set. Uh, she started making a few more errors. Um, but all in all, she sort of once she once she clinched the first set, she went away um, with with the match. You okay? When I watched the first set, I I was so reminded about how we play our tennis matches. Like, did you not find that that first set was so similar to how you and I play? A bit topsy like, turvy. Topsy turvy. It truly was a point here or there. I mean, just to give our listeners a quick breakdown. So Iga goes up three love in the first set. I mean, she's not playing particularly amazing, but she just you know keeps her own. Goes up three love. Kennan comes back at three all, you know, which, you know, Kennan is apt to do. Very similar to how Jason and I plays. Usually, usually I'd say I go up in the first set. You know, I either am on fire or I keep my shit together. And then you're a bit kind of, you start a bit slow. And then, you know, you creep your way back up that mountain, like clawing your way back into the set. And uh, at three all was a, was the crucial game because Kennan had points to break and to go up 4-3, but Iga ended up going up 5-3, and she gets broken, becomes 5-4, and a point here or there, girlfriend, and she ended up clinching the set 6-4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and then from there, I kind of thought it was going to sort of be a bit more smooth sailing, but then she got broken right away. She got broken right away, and uh, second set, yeah, she got broken right away, and she breaks back right away, and then she holds. She goes up 2-1, and are we going to get right into it? I mean, we might as well. We <laughs> thought we would hold off, but, you know, it's, it's sort of the perfect segue since she called an injury timeout at that point. Yeah, so Kennan calls an injury timeout down 1-2 in the second set. Mary Carrillo, who's commentating for ESPN? Uh, NBC. NBC, because she's making money on both networks. She makes uh, money on NBC and Tennis Channel. I don't think she's affiliated with ESPN at all. Oh, dang. Okay, all right. That was my oversight. Yeah. But um, so Mary Carrillo calls it a little bit of gamesmanship. And just to let everyone in on kind of Jason and my daily interaction with our Facebook fans um, for the Ready Play Tennis podcast, one of the TLGTA members posted and said, um, well, we can say it's for his name, Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he won't mind. So Gordon is like, girl. I mean, he doesn't say girl, but essentially his tone is like, girl. (laughs) You know, we we should go back to the times when players did not have any injury timeouts and they had to either play with their injury and you know concede to their opponent or find the grit and determination somewhere in their spirit to you know continue on with the match and then it became this like cacophony of responses <laughs> of wow good word thank you <laughs> i i had that word in my reserve bank <laughs> as as i prepared for this podcast well done <laughs> And uh, Ray, another TLGTA friend, was like, well, excuse me, do you know that tennis has become more physical over the last 10 or 50? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he shook his now- finger. <laughs> <laughs> he shook his finger, <laughs> shook all of his body parts, and was like, you know, it's become more physical. And so why not give players the opportunity to have an injury timeout to deal with an ailment? 
So I don't know what you what do you think? Was it gamesmanship? Well, I mean, she so she came on to the court with her thigh taped. That was the injury that she got treatment on. Uh, so I think there might have been like a retaping situation that was happening. My take on it is that I think the fan, you know, despite the fact that there's only a thousand fans there, people do pay. And, you know, there is a TV worldwide audience that does hope to see a bit of a match. So, you know, as much as we malign and make fun of Nick Kyrgios, one thing he says <laughs> that is accurate is that tennis like anything else that you buy a ticket for is a form of entertainment and by tuning in on tv you're buying a ticket to watch the match so if there are rules that are set up for which they can take a time out and it's going to prolong their ability to play or improve um, their ability to play and it's within the rules i think it's appropriate and fine i think sometimes people uh, look at the timing of those things and see them as gamesmanship and you know as we pointed out or you pointed out she did it at a time when she went up a break but then went she lost the break and they were on serve and the momentum was per perhaps back to Iga so I don't know I don't know yeah listen Gordon's point on Facebook was that and actually Nancy too, I'm going to throw Nancy in there because I know she has been an avid listener of our podcast, so she'll be happy to know that we referenced her. Nancy and Gordon were saying that, you know, the injury timeout is so abused these days on both the men's and the women's tour. And, you know, people use it as a tactic to stop, you know, the momentum of the other player. And I mean, let's be honest, you and I don't have injury timeouts, but you know, if we're at Supreme Court and we're in a two-hour time frame and I'm winning 5-3 and we're on a changeover, you bet you bet your ass I'm taking my time in the chair. <laughs> yes, I've witnessed right? that many times. <laughs> and for me, I just move faster because I want someone to have a decisive victory. So I want you to either win <laughs> or for, for me to be able to sort of tie it up and for the time to run out and for me to be able to say... You know, it's five all. Sorry you didn't win, but it's a tie. We're going to have to continue this later. You are a true sportsman. <laughs> you, 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 are, you are a sports purist. Yeah. Let, the, let the winner be a true winner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, we played, you know, we paid 20 bucks an hour. So I want my full money's worth. <laughs> I know, and I want that W. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're willing to take it up, even though you won't win the set outright. I mean... I, I'm not going to be the girl that moonballs to death and like pays $40 to hit moonballs for two hours. You you know who you are out there on the TLGTA because <laughs> it is a practice match so you can relax. I mean, you have tried but... to do that to win a to to <laughs> try not <laughs> try to come come from behind because, you know, I'm struggling to create my own pace. <laughs> Don't lie. I've done. OK, I've done that. Mm -hmm. I've done that. But I, you've but actually I only... won sets that way. <laughs> you know what? So perfect segue because that's exactly what Kenan does. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's good at the moon balls. Um and you know, it's a it's I used to be like no, I don't appreciate that tactic, but you know, she does it, Bianca does it, Nadal does it to a certain extent yes. as well to reset the point and get them themselves back to the middle of the court. It's a perfectly reasonable play in the same way Bublik's underhand serve is a reasonable play. Oh, we are going. Okay, we're going all over the <laughs> we place. We are going but all just, over the place. Apologies to our audience, but you're following. I'm just fine. I trust we, you. We're we're but we're gonna save that story for the end. Are we not? Mm. Yes, but okay. we're because we're talking about the ladies. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say that after the medical injury timeout, whether it was gamesmanship or not, Sviantek seemed to relax her ATP style forehand because every commentator and tennis fan in the entire freaking world is talking about oh my god this girl's forehand's like an ATP forehand she's gonna she's gonna be like a multi-slam winner and we're gonna get into that in a minute <laughs> but her forehand seemed to relax she started to use it to dictate play and 6-1 she ended up winning the second set pretty easily mm -hmm. and she doth hold the trophy and people on I, on her social media or on posts where I saw 
um, they had it shared a photo of her wearing that dress. People didn't like that dress, but I thought it was nice. I thought that dress was beautiful. Who did not like that dress? I don't know, dummies. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Get yourself a sense of fashion. Yeah. She, you know, she was wearing all of the colors. Maybe that people were challenged by all of the colors. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought she looked good. Yeah, I thought she looked beautiful. And she, I mean, whether or not her dress was ugly, she has one thing over all of us. She has a French Open title. <laughs> yeah, and she basically doubled her prize money uh, with one with one tournament win. Her first tournament win being a Grand Slam, similar to Ostapenko, I guess. So hopefully yeah. her career doesn't follow that trajectory. Okay, so I, I can feel a segue coming up, but bef- <laughs> before we before we get there, can we talk about you you beautifully coined gave her a new name, the twentieth anniversary of her French Open Championship. Oh, Mary Fierce. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shout out to all the gay girls out there that observe fashion and just how fierce she looked. Did you not all think that Mary looked so snatched in that red dress? Yeah, she looked amazing. She looked amazing. And following her on IG over the past two weeks, because of course she's commentating for, I forget which French sports network, but she is commentating on television. She has been seen in Raph Simmons. She has been seen in Alexandre Mastoussi, which is a French designer. He has a line called Ami. Like these are some high falutin French brands and she's like I don't know she's just feeling herself so she looks really good yeah she looked good obviously it was a nice moment to have her present the trophy to the ladies and to share the little video montage where it showed her struggle to sort of win that particular title and then she came through 20 years ago (laughs) Talk, you know what? There's so many connections that are being made. Talk about a, a player that abused and used the injury timeout. <laughs> You're gonna have to r- relay some of that because I don't, I didn't, I guess, follow her as much. But I, I remember you saying that she was one of those players who would take advantage of the system. I mean, honey, not only did she take injury timeouts, but she was. Very similar to Rafael Nadal in that she took her sweet-ass time in between points. Everyone knows about the problem of Mary Pierce's contacts and, like, the clay getting in the contacts and, like, taking more than, what, 30 seconds in between a point and and players being like, okay, let's play already. Um, And in addition to that, she was also a moonballer. She would play that moonball game and, like, try to get a short reply and then crush the ball. So... She was frustrating and, you know, dare I say, annoying to some players in that way. But she is also a French Open champion and a two-time Grand Slam titleist. Mm -hmm. Can't take that away from her, despite, you know, the clay in her contacts. (laughs) (laughs) Did she really have injury timeouts where there was clay in her contacts? Well, she, no, the, the injury timeouts came during, like, what would seem like legitimate causes, like actual injuries. But, like, you know... I, I for, for correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe a player has to announce to the referee what kind of injuries they may be dealing with, so that when they call an injury timeout, the referee knows what to reference and what to kind of, you know, because they can take injury timeouts for different injuries. Mm-hmm. Is I, my understanding? Yeah, I mean, we really need to look into that because our podcast is called Ready Play, and if you're not ready. <laughs> then maybe you can't play. So we'll need to, we need to really be diving into this analysis, but you're right. I don't actually know the details of the rules in terms of, you know, what they have to reveal before the match or whether they can take an injury timeout in between games. Cause sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're not allowed to do it. It's very confusing. Yeah. We'll have to edumacate ourselves. Yeah. You know, in the next few weeks. Exactly. We need a bit of, <laughs> of an edumacate. Okay, last point about the women's draw and then we'll move on. Um, So what do you think about this this girl, this Sviantek? Do you think she's got what it takes to be a multiple slam winner? I hate to screw myself and say yes, but I kind of have to say yes based on the way she played. I mean, this was my first 
interaction or really real engagement with her when I watched that Halepe match and she destroyed her. Uh, So obviously that caused me to take notice. And so I haven't seen her play really on other surfaces. I haven't checked any of that out on the interweb. And there's only one more tournament left for us to see her. Um, And whether she's playing that or not remains to be seen. So I, the answer is I I hope so because she was so dominant and you know as we've discussed many times maybe not on the show but off the show there there are, is a lack of dominance on the women's side that is off, obviously very pervasive on the men's side um, other than you know perhaps Osaka so let's start to see some more women who who could tr- you know be dominant in the way that Steffi was and Salas was um, that would be great. And, you know, Bianca, come back, girl. Yeah. I mean, of all these Maiden Slam winners, I do think that Bianca has that, you know, I think she's got the game, true, truly, more than anyone else to be a multi-slam winner. She's kind of in the same category as Naomi. Um, to all you people that have been talking up and down about this ATP-style forehand, let me just break it down really quick. So whenever a woman learns this, what's called an ATP style forehand, which is a particular technique that all the men use, which is, you know, essentially a super heavy top spin forehand, they liken it to, oh my gosh, this woman is going to dominate and win like all the slams ever for the next 20 years. But let me remind you, Daria Kasatkina also has an APT, APT, (laughs) (laughs) ATP style forehand and she's got no slams right now. No slams. No slams. So just because you have a man's forehand doesn't mean necessarily you're going to be a Grand Slam winner. But, I mean, Sviantek clearly has more gifts than just her forehand. And, uh, yeah, I think that she's going to have another slam under her belt. For sure. And now she moves up to number 17 in the world. And Kenan, I think, also moves up to number four, maybe? Oh, who cares? Oh, who cares about her? Shady. Who cares? Sorry. You know what? I, I'm just echoing a, a lot of the sentiments of people on Facebook that I, I'm just going to state some facts. Listen, I reserve the right to change my mind about her. <laughs> I don't know her, clearly. Um, but I don't get a positive vibe from her when she plays. It's just not someone that I connect with. And a lot of people on Facebook were saying things like, no, we don't want to have a pouty little champion. <laughs> I'm crying. Things are not going my way. <laughs> I think, you know, when she takes the court and when she's in competition, when she's in a match, she's fierce and determined and that comes off as pouty and whiny i mean she's angry at herself even when she's like hit a winner or she's saying things to herself like you should have hit it behind her or something even though she's (laughs) just hit a winner so i don't know i think there needs to be a level of appreciation for someone who even in the moment is constantly wanting to do better Yes. So Agreed. I appreciate Agreed. that about her, even though it obviously comes off as perhaps a bit pouty and a bit whiny. But I do love when she holds a service game and she's got that ball in her skirt, the way she spikes it <laughs> to the court, because that, you know, I want to know why she why she does that. And you know what? I know it's a dicey topic, but I'm I'm the one that's going to introduce it to the podcast. But it, it is something that people are talking about on the interweb. Someone needs to, you know, that fila that fila kit and that skirt is very very short. You might as well just be playing in those bike shorts, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yes, it's it's me commenting on how a woman wears her clothes, but <laughs> it is a fact. And if she wants to wear it that way, all the power to her. But you could just... see a bit of her underpants during those injury timeouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, underpants. I do say underpants. But she listen. She does like to wear her skirt high. So if that if that's what makes her play those fierce backhands, then let all the power to her. I mean, I love her strokes. They're so crisp, crisp, crisp. clean, clean, yeah. crisp. Yeah, crisp. <laughs> Before we move to the men, you didn't really give your um, your thoughts on the injury timeout. Piece. Ah. 
Um, listen, I, you clearly shared with all of our listeners that I'm a dirty player. And uh, actually, I did. You, you revealed that for your damn self. <laughs> You're right. Okay, I stand corrected. But I mean, you definitely did not keep quiet on that. You definitely <laughs> added detail. Um, facts are facts. Do I? <laughs> facts are facts. Um, okay, I'm just going to talk really briefly about my own personal gamesmanship, and then I'm going to give you my opinion on the injury timeout. Now, am I the kind of person that enjoys getting onto a court and playing moon balls every shot? No, I'm not going to be that kind of games person. I would rather lose in a heaping flame of horse manure by hitting all the balls out than to relegate myself by hitting moon balls every shot. So I'm not going to do it that way. However, if I've analyzed my opponent and I can see that, for example, they're in a rush to get on the court because they want to, you know, what what seemed to me was like you trying to get on the court to tie up the match before the end of the two hours is what I interpreted it as, <laughs> then am I going to take my time? Yes, honey, I am. Because you know what? Maybe you're going to get frustrated and maybe you're going to try to rush a point and that's how I'm going to win my match. So if whether you like me or not, I'm, I'm going to do that <laughs> now. When it comes to the injury time out, I mean, listen, the rules are there. Um, oh, that's a hard question. I'm just thinking about what I would do. Okay, listen, if I, if I had a true injury and I, even if there was a momentum shift, what better time than to take an injury time out th- than add a momentum shift? You know what I mean? It's within my right. Yeah. Ex- I'm, I mean, I'm, that's, yeah, exactly. So the rules you know, have, are set, setting, set up for that. Yeah, and why wouldn't I take that time? Because it would be the perfect opportunity for me to see if my ailment can be treated and also put more thoughts in the head of my opponent. Maybe get them to think too much about them being in the lead because, as we all know, that can screw a lot of players up. So, I mean, is there a little gamesmanship in it? Yes, Um, but if it's there for the players to use, then you know what, Kenan? You do everything that you can. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if there are people who are concerned about it, then maybe there needs to be some advocating for looking at the actual rules and how how they're used. But I think it's still it's still a bit dicey and a bit sticky. So. Mm. Okay. Anywho, we're moving on to the men. What a (laughs) what a boring final that was. It's so boring that I didn't even watch it. <laughs> I was so excited. You and I were playing Sunday morning. We played at 9 a.m., which was the start of the men's final here in Ontario. <laughs> and, you know, I was, I knew, I kind of knew, you know, the, the guy who was managing the court time at the club that day was going to say something. And I thought as he was walking and complaining about how cold it was and making fun of us for being crazy, wanting to play tennis Sunday morning, that (laughs) I would say something to him and make sure that he didn't say anything because I have a PVR. But he came out and said, it's three love Nadal. And I was (laughs) like, la, 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 la. Stop talking, you MFR. Um, And as... As the players that were uh, as the players were arriving for like the change of hour, people were like, "Oh my God, do you know what's happening on in the men's final?" <laughs> yes. And then I I could see you across the net being like, "La la la la." Yeah. La. So to any of our East York member listeners, shut the f up if there's a men's <laughs> final going on, because <laughs> one of your podcast members may be wanting to watch. But anyway, it turned out to be not so cracked up to what it, I guess it's billing. Okay, you okay, obviously you watched the final. That six that six love set. Was it a true six love set? Like was it a complete like demolition or was it like, oh, you know, it would just happen to go six love even though the many of the games were pretty close. I mean, I I never know if I mean, I don't think Nadal was doing anything particularly special. I think Djokovic was making a lot of errors. I think he had already made a dozen even before the end of the first set. So he wasn't really doing anything particularly spectacular. He was being Nadal, which is, you know, getting every ball back, hitting that loopy forehand and, um, and you know, driving backhand winners and getting to every ball, which is what he does, and, you know, placing it nicely. 
Um, so yeah, he went up six love, and Djokovic just looked dejected, like he there was nothing uh, that he could do. Uh, so he mm. he in an oven he was sort of was defeating himself with his energy because usually he if he lacks energy he's he's not into the match so you there's a there's a certain thing that happens with him where um if he's not into the match he's not going to be doing well so he didn't really get into the match until the third set yeah i mean from the extended look at me trying to justify me not watching the men's <laughs> match in the extended highlights that i watched on youtube <laughs> Um, I mean, they had so many highlights of Djokovic trying to do a drop shot. Like he was trying to employ the drop shot as a, as a tactic against Nadal, and he Nadal was just scurrying up and playing an aggressive shot on it, and it just wasn't working for him. Mm -hmm. It seemed. Yeah. So, you know, I don't really have much to say. I think he fought back, and he was up four three in the third, uh, but it didn't didn't last very long he sort of yeah he ended up losing did, the match seven five in the third did you think at like in the third set as obviously it was more competitive than the previous two like did you have a moment where you were like oh wow okay maybe this could be a turnaround because clearly you know in men's tennis they're as witnessed by the semifinals like five set matches are a normal occurrence so did you feel at all that it could be like a joko turnaround or was it just like you know like you just said his energy wasn't there and it could be a closer set but like nadal never looked like he was out of control of the match yeah he never really looked like he was too out of control in the match i mean it is djokovic so you do think that that there is an opportunity he's the best player in the world uh, uh, you know with the exception of against his opponent on clay so uh, <laughs> so yeah you hope that there would be uh, a bit of a comeback to make the match more interesting because through the first two sets it was I was just bored out of my skull <laughs> <laughs> which you don't want for the final be for the two best players and I think I wonder if that semi-final against Sitsi was a bit of a, a moment for him where he just, you know, got a bit worn out. Yeah, it's funny because in the lead up to the final, I don't think anyone projected, like you and I included, when we talked last in the last podcast about who we thought was going to make it. I mean, I remember myself saying, and I think you agreed with me, that like this was going to be Nadal's tournament to not win to lose like in the sense that he was going to win it you know because he seemed to be giving himself an out with you know his whole like wambulin segment of like oh the balls are heavy it's september this is like not the perfect conditions for me <laughs> yeah. ma, ma, ma. um but lo and behold we're the fucking jokers at the end of the day because he won his 13 yeah maybe that was a bit of his own gamesmanship Oh, mm -hmm. you couldn't, you can't tell when Rafa has some gamesmanship, eh? Yeah. Like, you really can't tell. Well, I mean, part of his gamesmanship is what you said in relation to Mary Pierce, how he holds up the players and he's always holding up his hand, making people uh. wait, you know, because he's got his little routine. <laughs> he's got to go get his little towel and he's got to fluff the right side and then the left side of his hair and like touch his ears, <laughs> touch his nads. Pull the underwear out of his butt. Yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, congratulations. The numbers are amazing. Even, you know, they start rattling off the stats uh, even after he's won the first set. Like, I don't think he's lost. I think the stat was he hadn't lost a match after winning the first set at the French Open or something like that. So he's now 100 match wins at the French Open. He's only lost two. He's like 26 and 0 once he makes the semi-finals which obviously if you do the math that means he's won it 13 times <laughs> um so i mean the guy is is dominant and now he's reached 20 grand slams which is roger's number and all the rogers roger fans are like blowing their brains out because they know he's gonna <laughs> be surpassed so it just adds yeah. a whole another layer to this like goat conversation which I know, you know, you and I have like tapped out of. Yeah, I, honestly, I wouldn't mind revisiting it 
next year. <laughs> yeah. It, when no, seriously, when I saw the stat of where this thirteenth Roland Garros championship brought Rafa, it made me look, and honestly, it made the whole goat. Um, controversy topic it was refreshed in my mind mm-hmm. so i yeah i would like to revisit that again i mean when johnny mac was running down all of the stats of rafa on clay you just can't be- i just could not freaking believe it it is actually insane yeah to think that he is so dominant on that one surface yeah and i think you know there are people who would say he's he's perhaps a better player because he's won all four slams and you know he's won them multiple times but each of those big three have won only one of those slams once so Rafa's only won the Aussie Open once Mm. and you know obviously Roger and Joko have only won the French Open once so yeah so it's yeah I mean it's a it's an interesting discussion you know Roger has, I think, the least Masters 1000 events, but he's won the ATP Finals the most times. Nadal's won the the Olympic medal, but yes. um, the other two haven't. And yeah, so it's all, I mean, you could, this could be an endless conversation if you care about it. Wait, okay, question. So one stat that I found so surprising was that, so Rafael Nadal has never won a year-end championship. Is that correct? Yes, he's never won it. Rogers won it, I think, six times, and uh, Joko has won it five times. What is Rafa's problem at the year-end championship? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't necessarily typically been a great player on hardcore. Maybe that's why he's only won the Aussie Open once. And, you know, I think he, of all of the players uh, among those, amongst those three, perhaps is the most worn, worn down at the end of the year. So Got it. that could be it. Okay. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We can, Congra- we can give analysis uh, once they're retired. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, before we conclude, felicidades, Rafael Nadal, for your 13th Roland Garros championship, you really tricked us. You made us believe that this was not your year, but we are all fools in the end. You have your 13th championship, and we are all dodo heads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked his reaction. He won the match on an ace, and you know he got down on his knees. And usually he does. I think last year he cried because he was so happy or maybe he didn't expect to win and this time he hit the ace and he just had this joyous face so i think he was very happy okay enough about nadal do you have any (laughs) honorable mentions i have a a couple oh honorable mentions um no no i mean okay you want to talk about pogoroska Ponderosa. Uh, well, Ponderosa. actually, Ponderosa wasn't <laughs> on my list, but I did watch her semifinal against Iga, and you know, obviously, Iga was fairly dominant. But I did like her game, and I did like her. I, I like her potential, and you know, she did move up. I think like forty-eight spots in the rankings with her semifinal appearance as a qualifier, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but for me, obviously, it was Sinner. Sinner gave. Uh, Sinner had a great, um, I think, run. Obviously, to his first quarterfinal, he he moved up in the ranking as well, and he took, he competed well in that first set against Nadal. So it gave him a bit of trouble. So obviously, for his first, you know, quarterfinal in a Slam, at 19 years old, competing against the best player ever on the surface. Um, and somebody that I want to continue watching. Kudos to him. Kudos to Sinner. Um, sure, I'll throw into the bag. I, I keep on changing my metaphor. Throw in the hat. Throw into the hat. <laughs> throw into the bag. <laughs> I'm going to throw into whatever inanimate object I'm choosing. Uh, Schwartzman. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as you know, I called Schwartzman to win the whole damn thing. He beat Nadal in, uh, in Rome, right? Yep. And um, I thought that it was going to be his year to take out the champion because who can beat Nadal on clay? And um, he backed up his um, Rome 
um, result with a semi mm-hmm. at the French Open. So he had a great season. Yeah, and we talked. We had talked about his match against Team last week, so we don't need to rehash that. It was a great match, and he wore Team out. Yeah. And he looks like he has the stamina to compete with a guy like Nadal. So, you know, hopefully he can continue to overcome his stature, which everybody talks about anytime they talk about <laughs> his ability or his his chances. So, uh, you yeah. know, he's now in the top 10. I mean, I think if there is a theme about uh, one of the themes of the French Open, it's going to be little nuggets. So many little nuggets had sh- bright and shiny moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he dumped he drip drip uh, chapeau out of the top ten. <laughs> yeah, and then the French player uh, Gaston. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Gaston is, but I like look forward to seeing more of him too. <laughs> yeah, he posted um, he posted on his IG. He was doing some kind of promotion with Wilson, giving away a tennis racket, and he said, you know, to win a tennis racket, follow the do the following steps and. I just posted beneath him like you're cute. <laughs> I didn't even do any of the steps. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So the tour now continues, and you know, it's sort of funny because it's like, oh my god, there's more tennis. But yeah, there's more <laughs> tennis. So actually, there's only more tennis if you have an ATP style forehand, <laughs> because <laughs> correct, because yeah, there's only there's mostly tournaments on the men's side so st petersburg and cologne this week and the draws are good so i'm gonna pay attention to what is offered on tsn which is only the 500 event because st petersburg became a 500 event this year ah well i mean the women's side can be summed up really easily by saying that everything is canceled (laughs) (laughs) asia canceled china canceled japan canceled korea canceled I mean, canceled culture, but this is for legitimate reasons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all those tournaments, just as Jason noted, are canceled. The only tournament that is left is a an inaugural WTA premier mandatory tournament. Apparently, I didn't know this. And it takes place in Ostrava. Mm -hmm. And it's from October 19th to 20 to the 25th. So, you know, um, those of you that are into geography, I want I wonder whether you guys know where Ostrava is. Ah, if you do, email us at readyplaytennispodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, oh, and so that's it. Do Okay, sorry, really quickly. Do I care who's playing? Not really. Will I care when it's October 19th? Maybe a little bit. I'll watch some tennis. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking forward to the break and stalking players' IGs. Yeah, we, you know, as Aldwin pointed out, there's only one tournament left and that's next week for you. WTAers, so you know, listen to us and uh, reach out to us when we stalk you on IG, so you can come on our show. Yeah, you. I mean, I say it jokingly. We say it jokingly when we say like you have nothing to do. Obviously, you have your training. You have kids to feed, <laughs> <laughs> business ventures. But I mean, listen, if Jeannie can do it and she had a phenomenal season, we might be your lucky charm. Yeah, yeah exactly. Don't. You know, don't doubt it. We're here for you. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> oh my god, what, what was that? What was that sitcom where it, Seinfeld? Remember when Elaine broke up with her boyfriend? Oh no, we're, we're anyway. It's now getting on going on a tangent. Forget it. <laughs> Speaking of tangent, we wanted to end by talking about something that happened in St. Petersburg today. Yes. Yeah, one of the players had to use the tarlet. I don't know. Yeah, the he had to use the toilet. So uh, he had what he called an emergency prior to the start of the match. And the umpire said something, and I'll paraphrase, uh, you know, go quickly because you're on your own time. Me- meaning <laughs> that I think they, you know, they have to follow TV time or whatever. I, I don't think they got a warm up. So he was gone a bit longer than he was supposed to. And then mayhem ensued and madness ensued for him (laughs) it did yeah do do you want me to give you what i well first of all what was the madness that so he came back to the court and i think while he was off the court taking a dump 
uh, <laughs> he the the umpire announced that he had three code violations. The third one being a game penalty. So he was informed <laughs> as he was taking off his mask and coming back to his little station at the court <laughs> that he was uh, going to lose a game. Yeah, and so okay. Full disclosure: Jason sent me this. Um, situation via text message so I watched the YouTube you know breakdown of it and what it looked like to me maybe this was just the editing of it but this player clearly had bowel issues Um, the umpire said to him like Jason just said okay well go to the toilet go as quickly as you can because you're on your own time so the umpire did warn him and say you have to go fast Mm -hmm. like you can't take forever now while the player was in the toilet I mean what, what did the umpire think he was going to do? Like, you know, braid hair or like <laughs> restring his racket? Because the umpire was discussing, you know, this guy's taking a long time. Let's give him three penalties because he, he did. He actually had to go to the, wa- to the washroom during the warm up. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, is that like if the umpire allowed you to go to the washroom, even with the warning of like, go quickly, you come back thinking that everything is OK. And now you are down a game. Yeah. That's kind of ridiculous, don't you think? Yeah, it's it was certainly a tricky situation that he had going on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the umpire I think was a bit out of bounds, out outhouse of bounds there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, you can add any sort of poo analogy that you want. <laughs> I think I thought it was funny when he came back to the court and he's like. I had to go to the bathroom. I, you know, I could have taken a shit here on the court if you want me to. <laughs> that I th- that would that I think was the best part. But you pointed out that this umpire has a, a little history of making bad judgment. Bad. Oh my god. Okay. So remember how we called Sarah Arani? Well, no. Let me rephrase. Remember how I called <laughs> Sarah Arani a demon last little week? Demon. <laughs> a little yeah. demon. Because, you know, she seemed to be involved in so many WTA altercations on court. Now, this umpire also refereed one of her matches at the Western Southern against Ianina Wickmeyer. His name is Richard Haig, by the way. And, I mean, in short, what happened was Sarah Rani served a ball that was, like, literally in the middle of the box. It was at least eight inches inside the box, if not, like, a foot. And he overruled the the lines judge's clear vision of seeing the ball in (laughs) (laughs) the funny part about this all is that it wasn't even serena or naomi serving like if it was serena or naomi serving and clearly they have huge fast serves then maybe it was more it would be more acceptable but irani has the slowest serve on the wta this guy overruled it and 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 so Yanina Wickmeyer hit a forehand out, but he said, replay the point. (laughs) Because she was, Sarah Ronnie was saying, you know, you called it out after she hit the forehand, so it should be my point. And you know that Wickmeyer knew it was, the ball was in. Like, why wasn't she being a good sport like Dominic Thiem and saying, that was in, that should be your point? Listen, okay, this goes back to the theme of this podcasts and sportsmanship and versus gamesmanship girl it's not my job that is not my job to make that call if the umpire makes a fuck up why am i going to interject myself i mean listen i think there are moments where you can show sportsmanship if it's like zero zero and it's like you know at the beginning of the match but if it's in the dead heat of a match that's not my problem yeah okay that's That's not my job it was three all in the third set and you know the umpire should not have overruled that so she (laughs) how did that match end up i don't know how that match ended up I don't honestly I don't know how that match ended up I just on like I am going back to you giving kind of an impression of Irani talking about Kiki Burton's concert she she was so shady she was like imitating her like grabbing her leg or cramping during the match I saw that after I was like you are a devil she it's she's okay i'm sorry and this is not in any way mocking her italian heritage but she was so angered and flustered and obviously because english is the main language of communication she was like you call me the referee you call me the referee 
<laughs> and um, she was pissed. I mean, uh, not to add another story to make this longer, I just think it's funny. But like, she also famous famously played Alizé Cornet at in Toronto. Do you know what I'm I about to share th- with? No, but go ahead. So she also famously played Alizé Cornet in one of the earlier rounds at the Rogers Cup, and Alizé Cornet hit a winner and she said vamos and we all know that oh my god <laughs> russell's gonna live for this story and we all know that alizé cornet is french and so sarah rani says to her from across the net why you say vamos say ale why you say vamos <laughs> say ale you're french my god she's just endless entertainment well i mean you're you're french but you you say you used to say vishna <laughs> which is not even a <laughs> no, word who who who'd that come from again so okay, so I believe it's rush. It's what I thought Russian players say <laughs> when they hit a winner, but they actually say atlichna, atlichna, which means which means excellent. And so I started to say vishna because I thought that's what they were saying. <laughs> but now I just imitate Chapo according to you, and I say come on, come on, come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that's a wrap. Now you know we we want you to come on. And download our <laughs> podcast and all that fun stuff. That was a bad segue. Anyway, listen, keep listening to our show and downloading and commenting and liking and subscribing and giving us five stars and like such as. Yeah. And quick little thing. Uh, Jason and I, now that tennis is kind of calmed down, we will be more active in messaging you female WTA players because we want you on our show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't ignore us. Zachary, don't ignore us, girl. Yeah, don't ignore us, Zachary. And, you know, just before we go, we do have a little hook on one player, but we're not going to talk about it. All right, I forgot. (laughs) 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 On that note, we're going to leave you hanging, but we hope that she'll be on in a couple of weeks. Ooh, I, I, I gave away the gender. Oh, wait, hold on. Are you saying that there might be a WTA player that will be our second guest on the Ready Play mm-hmm. Tennis podcast? Yeah, this person has said they want to come on but need a couple of weeks. And that's all we'll say. That's all we'll say. Because they are busy. <laughs> They're busy. busy. Okay, on that note, <laughs> we're busy and we're going to be out. So peace out. Peace out. Hey, it's your serve. If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five-star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there? And don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya!